Hello, and welcome to episode 20 of the God Cells podcast. I'm Eric Marola. In today's podcast, I speak to Casper from Sweden, who had been suffering from brain damage. And incredibly, he found my documentary, The God Cells, about fetal stem cell therapy offered in Kyiv, Ukraine. Casper went to MCEL in Ukraine last October during the Russian invasion. In fact, he was there only a week after I had left Kyiv in September. Three months after fetal stem cell therapy, Casper explained to me how he can now think again for the first time after suffering from debilitating brain damage for 10 years. It's a remarkable conversation, and we talk about a lot of the other things related to the roadblocks fetal stem cell therapy has around the world, as well as some of my experiences with my other documentaries. It's always great to get a different perspective from those who do not live in the United States and how they view the world, this therapy, and the medical system as a whole. As always, if you have questions about this therapy or want to ask me anything about this, email me at eric at ericmarola.com. That's E-R-I-C at E-R-I-C-M-E-R-O-L-A.com. I will be releasing my sixth documentary, Ukraine Fetal Stem Cell Pioneers, likely before the February 24th one-year mark of the Russian invasion on YouTube, on various YouTube channels that have millions of subscribers. This is a little earlier than I had planned, but why not? If you want to be notified of its release, sign up to my mailing list at ericmarola.com. That's E-R-I-C-M-E-R-O-L-A.com or stemcellsmovie.com. Or you can email me and I will add you to my list. I hope you enjoy today's podcast with Casper from Sweden, who has reversed his brain damage with fetal stem cells. Hello. Hello, Casper. Hi, Eric. Can you hear me? I can hear you great. It's so great to meet you. Like so many people that I do these podcasts with, I only speak to them via email. And yeah. and yeah, and then we stay in touch. And then, you know, I hear, you know, people like yourself having really great results from the therapy. And I say, hey, would you like to do a podcast with me? And so it's nice. I, I, had to, I went back to my emails actually before we got on the phone. You had some kind of brain injury. Am I correct about this? Yeah, that's correct. So I've had, uh, for 10 years now, I've had uh, issues with my brain uh, where I, uh, honestly, I can't find a good translation from the Swedish condition. We call it jantrotid. It's It literally translates to brain fatigue. But when I look at the symptoms of brain fatigue, it doesn't seem to be the same, but but let's just call it brain fatigue for lack of a better word. I can't find any other better translation. So it wasn't from an injury, um, correct? It's not an injury. It, it wasn't from a head trauma. It was uh, from uh, drug abuse. Okay. And um, so there's a lot of things that happened to me during that period. This was 10 years ago. And uh, they seem to think that it was the drugs that caused this. Even though I wasn't a big, uh, mostly when I was young, I maybe partied or did stupid stuff that, that, that was about it sure but it could it could have been a maybe a who knows who knows what what the street drugs might contain it's uh for people listening this is a good uh, warning to to be careful when when you do that stuff so so i just want to be honest about what happened to me and and my my, my origin story so sure so uh, but but anyways so this pretty much ruined my life for 10 years up until now um, wow i i was in uh yeah, so I was in um, uh, university uh, back then. Uh, I was on my last year. I was uh, studying to become a, a software engineer. 
I, I actually uh, didn't finish. I, my last my last season, I couldn't uh, do it anymore because my brain wouldn't let me. So uh, all those years studying just down the drain for nothing. So after that, I just all everything I did was just trying to find a way to recover. I didn't do much. Re- I mean, I did a bit recovering up until like two or three years into into the process of whatever whatever you want to call it, but. It wasn't until I had this treatment that I really had a big difference. That's amazing. So, so go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, well, go ahead. I just, I, while we were speaking, um, I looked, you were there in October of 2022. So you were there fairly recently. Yeah, uh, that's correct. I was there in September. We must have just missed each other. Exactly. I was there 3rd of October. Okay. Well, so I'd love to hear more. I mean, so it was 10 years ago, you had some recovery after a few years, and then you discovered fetal stem cell therapy. Um, I'm assuming through uh, one of my movies, I'm assuming. Yeah, that's correct. So, so I actually, I looked into stem cells maybe two or three years ago. The first time I just discovered like maybe this might be helpful in some way. I wasn't, I didn't have enough uh, information about like what to search for or who to go to and because it's, it's kind of expensive it, it's not a, a cheap treatment so it took me a couple of years to as i mentioned I, I didn't have the ability to focus or read and do stuff like that so it took me a while to gather information and just just trying to make a good decision but your documentary really helped because you kind of, I would say, uh, you collected everything I needed to know in in a very good in a very good way. Like so, I, I had some background in doing my own research, but but you really uh, collected the essential parts. And uh, uh, I feel like without the documentary, I might have probably I wouldn't have done the treatment. So it was it was really helpful for me. That's wonderful. I'd love to. Uh, first of all, I'd like to ask you about your symptoms you had before and after treatment, like what you felt. But going back to classifying, earlier you said you weren't sure how to translate it from Swedish to English. Would you, like, it's a common term in the United States or English to say brain damage. Would you think that's a fair, yeah. you say that would be called brain damage? Would you agree? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay. Because because uh, usually when when... They, usually, this condition I have, they can't really find anything on the X-rays, and and I've and I've read studies uh, where they uh, where uh, where Swedish patients have uh, been researched on, and they can't really find uh, the brain damage is kind of I'm not sure like how 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 much brain damage you need to have to to be in this kind of condition, but what they see is that the brain starts working in a different way. It doesn't work in a normal way anymore. And this is after the brain has somehow recovered. Okay. So it is uh, most usually something that happens after a stroke or a head trauma or like for my uh, for me example, it's uh, drug abuse. And so, yeah, it's, it's brain, brain damage. Okay. So... I would love for you to expand upon for, because to be honest, I, you are the first person 
that I have ever interviewed or even had a phone conversation with that has had brain damage. I know they've treated other people, but as far as people that I have personally communicated with, I think you might be the first one that has specifically had brain damage that has gone there for therapy. And so obviously it would be really important for anyone finding this conversation that is in your situation or knows someone. So what I'm looking for, I would love for you to describe to me like more in detail, what kind of, you mentioned it a little bit, but like, what were you experiencing from the day to day before going to therapy? And then if you don't mind, just after you went for therapy, maybe how long it took and like what you noticed overall as the stem cells began to start doing their job. Do you know what I mean? Would you, yeah, would you yeah. mind explaining that? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, so, uh, so my symptoms before I did the treatment was, uh, it was inability to focus. Uh, I was uh, very um, sensitive to stress. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very anxious. I couldn't sleep well. I mean, I, I had to go on sleep medication to, to be able to sleep. So, and uh, depression. And I, I, honestly, the, the worst thing was the, the inability to think. That, that is something that the treatment started to work on pretty fast. Mm-hmm. It took about. Well, let me well, let me work, uh, work from the beginning. Maybe it's better. The first few weeks, I noticed this thing started to happen. Uh, I started to be able to think better. I was starting to be able to focus. And I want to say around two or three months, maybe about two and a half months, I started noticing like huge improvements. Up until like two and a half months, it was small increments, but I noticed like stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after two or two and a half months, I started noticing like huge leaps of, of improvements. I went from like not being able to work at all to now I'm working at 80%, mm-hmm. which is a huge thing for me. So now it's been like three months, right? Three months and a week. Yep. Or two weeks, maybe. Yeah, two, three months and two weeks, something like that. And uh, I'm still improving. I'm not sure how long I will improve. Maybe you have a better answer for that. Well, yeah, let me tell you. So the reason it takes two or three months um, generally, and, and some people it works faster, other people it works slower. But the reason for this is the way that this therapy is administered is that once the cells are injected, that the cells begin to proliferate and multiply. Not only are this like in your case, you were you were given twenty four roughly different stem cell types, but in your case, they gave you a much higher dose of the neurological related stem cells, which were harvested yeah. from the brain. And uh, before I continue, were you also injected uh, in the spinal canal, the intrathecal injection? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. That was, uh, that was done in the third day. Okay. Yeah. Great. Great. I was hoping that that would be the case. I'm assuming they would have uh, recommended that to you. Um, so you got um, yes. an extra boost. So you in the the you remember the the injections in your abdomen and your fat around your abdomen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You had neuronal cells in addition to many other types of cells injected there, but on the third day, they only concentrated on the neuronal cells into your spinal canal through the intrathecal. So, but going back to your question. Okay. This is interesting because you're you're looking at other stem cell types. So um, first of all, outside of fetal, every other stem cell type does not provide genuine neuronal brain cells. It's it's impossible. You can only harvest them from the brain itself, and nor can any other mesenchymal or similar out, uh, non-fetal stem cell, including umbilical, placental, it doesn't matter. They cannot transform into a neuronal cell after injection. 
So what they do is um, they will cultivate the cells and let them proliferate in a Petri dish in vitro in the lab and then inject them into the patient. Again, I'm talking about non-fetal, the regular blood cells from yeah. the umbilical cord or the, you know, the adult. So, but in the case of M-cell and fetal stem cells, they do not believe in letting them proliferate and replicate in the lab because they realize it ruins them before they're injected. They want them to replicate and to proliferate after they enter your body. And, be, and they only give smaller amounts. They give just the right amount, not a gigantic amount, because they know how they behave after injection. So it takes two to three months for those cells, particularly the neuronal cells, to fully proliferate, where they're at that maximum you know, value, if you would, where let's just say, yeah, for example, yeah. they, they injected you with thousands of cells, but of neuronal cells, let's just pretend that was one stem cell of neuronal, that one stem cell creates a thousand. So it takes two or three months for that to happen. So that's why okay. you, that's why you don't see this instant reaction. So yes, while they're inside of you, they are regenerating your brain and your brain tissue and the neurological system itself. But while that is happening, they're also multiplying and making themselves more abundant and making more of them, just repeating and re replicating, you know, over and over and over again, just like from biology class, you know, when cells divide and replicate. So, but yeah, at the yeah. three, at the yeah. three month mark, they've basically replicated to like their sort of maximum capability, if that makes sense. So, uh, and, and, yeah, they, yeah, that makes sense. and so that's why you feel its maximum um, effect at around two to three months. So it's remarkable. And it's interesting because you are a classic case of when MSL says you have to expect two or three months before you see significant improvement. And it really confuses people because some people have these very fast uh, reactions, like some people with multiple sclerosis, which is technically a neurological condition. You know, they start walking around yeah. in five days when they had to have a, a walker or a cane. And there's really no explanation. Oh, wow. I know it's really bizarre. Um, anyway, it's really exciting. I mean, to see this happen for you, because also the damage was done 10 years ago. And what Generally, yeah. yeah. And see, what's also interesting, Casper, is generally with particularly damage to the nervous system and the brain, the the longer you wait to get the therapy, the the harder it is to have good results because the damage has been there for so long. It is more recommended to have the have the stem cells done as fast as possible after the therapy. Yet you still, ten years out of having this damage, you're still getting amazing results, which is very exciting casper i mean wow uh, do you mind me asking yeah. how old you are i'm uh, 37 now okay. so i was 27 when this happened okay so that's also helps because um you're younger uh, you're not like in your 60s yeah. or 70s and it's also interesting you know because you asked me in a text what other treatments uh, other ailments this treats, which I'm happy to answer more of if you'd like to yeah. ask me. But like children with autism. Yeah, so, 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 Go ahead. so can I, before you answer that, yeah. it's like, I would like to know what kind of ailments you can help with this. And also what are the limitations? Sure. Like, I'd be happy to answer that. Both of them. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. I'm going to start um, on, with autism because of what we were, I was just explaining about your age and having it, this damage for 10 years. 
So with children with autism, I followed two of them for my new documentary, but I've spoken to so many more and done podcasts with others, families as well. But generally, like if an older child with autism comes in, like say age 12, the, you know, MCEL generally says, they say, don't expect huge results because the child is much, much older. We have much better results with younger children. Now, that being said, I have seen a nonverbal child at 12 get treated and start speaking a month later. That has, I've seen that. But um, the kids in my new documentary, one was four years old, nonverbal, started speaking after the first week, as first words ever. Like the kid had to have a machine to speak before, like he would push buttons to communicate with his teachers and his parents. And another child who was very uh, difficult to control, very bad mood issues and impossible to follow instructions, you know, doing great. And both of those children were young. So going back to, so I just wanted to explain that because it is also neurological. Um, Let's go ahead and start immediately with the limitations. Well, I'll talk about limitations as far as ailments. For some reason, ALS, that's the only ailment I have seen that this can't completely reverse. Uh, it's very sad and unfortunate. It's one of those horrible diagnoses where there's literally like nothing on earth that can slow this down. So getting that out of the way, um, but I've seen amazing remissions with multiple sclerosis and Parkinson's, but going to the limitations on those two ailments, it's similar. It's similar. Like the longer you've had it, the harder it is for the cells to really reverse it. So I have a woman in the new documentary, um, I need to send you the new documentary. I'll, I have, I'll give you a password-protected link to allow you to see it. I'm happy to share oh, it with you. I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll send that to you when Thank we're finished. You. But I, my point is, is I have one, two, three, four multiple sclerosis patients in this doc, new documentary that I've been following for uh, you know a while. Yeah. Um, all of them were, were diagnosed less than five years before they were uh, treated with fetal stem cells. One of them was diagnosed 18 years prior to being treated with fetal stem cells. That woman had, with 18 years diagnosis, she is actually a medical nurse. So she was very well versed in medical, the whole medical field, and she knew exactly, you know, what to look for, et cetera. But she realized, you know, she said, I have at least 20 years worth of damage, um, you know, even though she was diagnosed 18 years ago. And so she had nearly, not not nearly the kind of results after one therapy as the other ones did, but she was able for the first time in her, you know, the last 10 years to walk around her house unassisted. I mean, you know, she can get a cup of coffee and walk to the backyard. Yeah, but she can't like run down the street or do anything like that or walk five miles while the other patients can. And honestly, it's the same with Parkinson's. The longer ago they were diagnosed, the harder it is. So, and also it's not always a one treatment fixes everything because degenerative diseases, and you could say that brain damage is also not a disease, but it's a degenerative condition because your brain has degenerated, right? And fetal... Fetal stem cells, all they do is regenerate. They're rebuilding. Um, So the brain cells are rebuilding the brain. The heart cells are rebuilding the heart, et cetera. So if you have, um, you know, only a couple of years of damage to the brain or the heart, et cetera, those fetal stem cells have much less work to do to rebuild them. But if you have 10 or 20 years worth of damage, meaning not like you, where you just, you did the damage 10 years ago and that was it. But with a degenerative disease, 
disease, yeah. the damage continues. Every year it gets worse because it's the, progressive. Yeah, 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 because the disease remains. That's why they call it a progressive yeah. disease. So you know, so the to, to say what are the limitations? It it's it's difficult to answer. Other than what I'm saying, it's like the more damage, the harder it is. Now that said, too, with a progressive degenerative disease, getting the therapy, honestly, in, in the cases of multiple sclerosis and Parkinson's and sometimes autism, getting it every year or every two years to really push it back and keep it away is sometimes necessary. So one might call that a limitation in comparison to, say, somebody getting pneumonia and taking one antibiotic and having it go away, right? So so it's yeah, kind yeah. of a subjective way to say um, with limitations. But um, like another limitation, for example, an adult with adult onset diabetes. So uh, like a lot of Americans, especially, you know, people that drink too many Coca-Colas, they eat too much sugar, they eat, uh, eat too much white pasta. Yeah. They give themselves type two diabetes. So my father is one of them. Yeah. So my father uh, could not feel his feet. He had neuropathy in his feet, like the classic case of, because it destroys your circulatory system. It threatens your eyesight. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so I dragged my father to Ukraine. His feet are now perfect. He, he, he held a hot hairdryer to his feet and couldn't oh feel God. it. Yeah. So it was that bad. So I, of course, I dragged him to Ukraine and he got the therapy. So, but if he did not change his lifestyle and if he did not stop drinking Pepsis and stop eating the things that gave him diabetes, which he did do, um, he, it would have just come right back. You know, it would have all happened again. Also, too, if you think about it, we are all, as we age, we are all degenerating as we age. Every year, things are degenerating worse and worse. So all fetal stem cells are doing is fighting against that natural progression um, of both from an anti-aging standpoint, as well as... Um, from a degenerative disease standpoint. So in your case, yeah. again, I know you probably don't want to go back there again during the Russian invasion, but I would seriously consider seeing where you are in about a year from October, maybe see where you are like July, August, September. And if you are able yeah. to afford it and you did it again a year later, I'm honestly, you, you will probably see even more improvements. It's going to build upon your previous therapy because all of those stem cells and I, I go into this deeply in the new documentary, which I'll send you. But yeah. the, the stem cells stay in you and they don't leave your body, the, the fetal stem cells. And so when you're, in, you're given a second round of therapy, say a year later, those new stem yeah. cells join the old and the old kind of become out of dormancy. And you kind of, it's almost twice as powerful. It's a fascinating situation. Oh, and wow. yeah, I know, and because <clears throat> I've had this myself almost every year since 2016, when I first <laughs> went to M-Cell. And I, I honestly feel, I'm, I'm 50 years old. I have no aches and pains. I never get a cold or a flu. I, I did get COVID in Christmas of 2021, like so many. It was, ve yeah. it was very mild. Um, I once got strep throat uh, two months after my second therapy in 2017. I didn't know yeah. I had it. I had this mild irritation in my throat for two weeks. I went into a local clinic 
and just said, look, it was like, it, it was walking distance from me. I said, look, I've had this weird sore throat thing. It doesn't really bother me that much, but I just, it's been two weeks now. So the doctors swabbed my throat, went back for, you know, 15 minutes because they had the lab there. The doctor came back in the room. His face was just like in shock saying, how long have you had this? And I said, I, like I said, two weeks. He said, you have strep throat. I said, what? I mean, and I don't know if you've ever, ever had strep throat. And, yeah, I've had it. I've okay. Had it. It's, it's painful. It's, it's really painful. It's debilitating. And, yeah. and I honestly, yeah. I can't think of any other reason why I walked around with strep throat for two weeks other than the stem cells keeping it at bay. Like it kept fighting against it, even though it's a bacterial, bacterial issue. I know it's crazy, isn't it? But yeah, ask me some more um, about limitations. Maybe ask me something specific. So, so yeah, so so uh, um, uh, I just want to answer uh, the thing you said about uh, before I answer your question. We, uh, the thing you said about me revisiting Ukraine. I mean, uh, I, I'm, I'm I'm actually planning on bringing my parents to Ukraine uh, because. I think that they might benefit from it as well. Uh, yeah. And they're getting old now. So, I mean, why not? Uh, okay. And I, I'm not sure where I'm going to be, where I'm going to be in one year, if I'm fully recovered or if this is like the maximum recovery for this treatment. I'm not sure where I'm going to be uh, in a year or so, but if I'm not 100%, I'm going to go back again, without a doubt. I mean, it's it's a no-brainer for me. I, nothing, nothing has helped me for 10 years. This is the only thing that has given me back quality of life. And I'm not saying I'm fully recovered. Maybe I will be, maybe not. Maybe it requires one or two or three treatments, but it doesn't really matter because money is not an issue when you don't really, like when you're in, when you have a condition like I have or, or like MS, you know, degenerative diseases or stuff like that. So, yeah. so I mean... The re- uh, yeah, so, so what was your, yeah, yeah go ahead. I was saying, the reason why you have not found anything up until fetal stem cells to help the brain damage is because no chemical in, on earth can rebuild brain tissue. No stem cell on earth can rebuild yeah. brain tissue except neuronal brain cells. And you can only get that from the fetal material. That's simple as that. And so, yeah. And honestly, you mentioned your parents. That's wonderful because both of my parents, my brother, my wife, my wife's mother, my wife's aunt, I mean, and many friends have gone. I want everyone in my life that I care about to get this therapy. And what's interesting that I've seen over and over again, once someone like yourself goes, they end up going back with their parents or going back with their sister or their wife or whatever. And so, yeah, I mean, um, nothing could be more beneficial for an aging person than this therapy for all of the reasons that I mentioned about the regenerative nature of it. Because not only does it regenerate the vital organ tissues, but it also is a huge disease preventative. It prevents heart disease. It prevents um, the the yeah. diminishing of the blood vessels. It prevents um, the de- uh, you know brain decline. You're you can speak for that yourself yeah. because older people, you yeah. know, we all yeah, know. Definitely. I'm not saying that. It's going to perfectly prevent Alzheimer's, but there's a lot of reasons to believe it would. But the basic brain deterioration that comes with age, it prevents all of that um, because you're constantly regenerating and rejuvenating the brain with these brand new seven to 12 week old brain cells that are floating around in, say, a parent's brain that's 75, 80 years old. I mean, it just makes scientific sense, right? I mean... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, there's actually... 
you, you, do you remember we talked about um, the uh, Swedish clinical trials, uh, which was done with uh, fetal stem cells? I don't know if you did. Yes, yeah, I, I send you, I, I, because everything is written in Swedish, so mm. then you have to like, I sent you a, a couple of... I remember like, now. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, if I remember correctly... Yeah, I, it, was, it wasn't the whole document. If I remember correctly, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think I, we, we translated, that's right, we did Google Translate somewhat, or I did, right? I think I did it a little yeah, bit with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's if correct. I... That's correct. Yeah, that's correct. I'm not sure what they did. I, I, I know that, well, there's a couple of things. Uh, they, they, they used six or eight fetuses for mm -hmm. a single they, they did they did clinical trials on on people with parkinson's so so another thing to know to to know before i talk about it is that they don't do this anymore mm -hmm. this is they 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 they've, they've halted this uh, this treatment because they don't think it's ethical and they don't think it's 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 not going to be able to be available to everyone because there's not enough fetuses this is what they say i'm i'm uh, not saying that that's what i think i'm not i'm just saying this is what they're saying I they saw good results yeah I remember yeah. now. I remember all of this now. Yes, yes, yes. I remember how comical it was for them to say there's not enough fetuses when there's 50 million yeah. abortions annually every year, whether, you know, yeah. people find it ethical or not. And here's my theory. Um, I don't mean to jump to conclusions here, but I've just been studying innovative scientific technologies since 2009 with my focus on fetal stem cells, basically since 2014, yeah. um, is that there's two things happening. Well, three. One, of course, everybody, well, 50% of the world is against abortion. So you have that problem. And then the second yeah, one, exactly, yeah. the second one is, is that if this was allowed to go through, even getting past the abortion issue, you cannot patent this technology. So if they're able to reverse Parkinson's, in this case, Parkinson's, that's what they're studying, and they do the work and they spend the hundreds of millions of dollars of clinical trial, uh, clinical trials in Sweden, just in Sweden, let's say, and they put it on the market. Okay, let's say the company, let's call the company just for fun, the Casper Company, and they spent two hundred yeah. million. They spent two hundred million dollars on these fetal stem cells for Parkinson's. It works great. They start to get remissions, and then Casper Company goes to the Swedish regulatory agency and gets it approved in Sweden for Parkinson's. What will happen is because they can't patent it, what they will happen is they would have already spent two hundred million, and then every other. Yeah biotech company in Sweden will then say, thanks, Casper, we are now going to compete with you since you did all the work and spent all the money and we are going to harvest uh, our own abortions and we're going to treat people and it'll just be a big um, you know it'll be a big competition and so you have that and then yeah. secondly because of that um, it doesn't fit within the market model unfortunately because the way the system works the current drug marketplace works is you want to find a chemical one chemical or a couple of chemicals yeah. that you can patent and monopolize the market market on and then move to the next chemical yeah. and this slaps in the face of all of it unfortunately it's just economics 101 it's just you know economics you know unfortunately yeah yeah, yeah no, i mean i mean you have to follow the money it's, yeah. it's, it's very easy i think uh, i think after doing the treatment myself myself i mean I, I can't find any good reason not i mean even even if it's true even if it's true they say that there's not enough fetuses okay at least help the people you can help if if it's ten people, then help those ten people. You don't you don't have to help everyone. So I don't get that. Why, why do you why do you deny everyone just because you 
find it hard to have fetuses for every single patient. I mean, it's it's I don't get it. it, 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 it of course, it's it's probably it's, what you're saying is probably the reason. And and also, I think it's very political. Uh, it's it's a controversial uh, topic. People, as you mentioned, people are scared of abortions. It's like, are there going to be a black market for fetuses? Stupid <laughs> stuff like that. And but but anyways, I I, I think it's very tragic because in it also it, that was what I want to say in this in the in the tr- clinical trials they saw that after ten years, uh, the neuronal cells were still in the patient's yep. brain. They could yep. still find them. Yep. I'm glad you mentioned that. That's crazy. No, it's not crazy, actually, because I I go into this deeply in the new documentary. So I talked about this a little bit in The God Cells, but I actually opened up the movie with this because I think it's so important. The reason this therapy was ever even conceived of or even thought about is because we've known actually for over 100 years that the fetal cells uh, during pregnancy in the maternal body, the fetal cells migrate out of the womb into the maternal body and they 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 find new homes in the mother and they also have been known to repair like congenital heart defects uh, parts of the brain and protect the mother which makes perfect sense um, because of mother nature wanting to protect the mother host right so and they even were able to yeah. prove this by women who donated their bodies to science um, later on you know they found male chromosomes in the brains and the hearts and in other organs of women who had given birth 50 60 years prior and it was and because they were male that's how they could be identified obviously they're like wow why are there men's chromosomes all over this woman's brain her heart you know it's because they gave birth to a son uh decades earlier so you know one thing led to another and more and more research had been done and um I'll just give you a quick lesson. So what happened was these Ukrainians and the former Soviet Union, even back in the late 70s, early 80s, were researching this and they were really studying it intensely. And they were actually researching it in animals, Uh, you know, from mice to, you know, no one likes to talk about animal testing, but horses, everything. They did it in everything to test it, but they had never done it in people before. And so in 1986, Chernobyl hit, that horrible nuclear disaster disaster Chernobyl oh, yeah. and yeah. all of these people were dying of a plastic anemia or bone marrow failure due to the radiation exposure and because these scientists knew that yes. at the 7 to 12 week end of first trimester the liver the fetal liver in all mammals whether you change the mathematics depending on the other mammals but for humans within nine months at the seven to twelve week mark the liver is the foundation of the body's bone marrow and blood system so they said huh okay all these people were dying of bone marrow failure uh, right so they're like well we can't find bone marrow transplants fast enough because we have to find matches and secondly we can't even get a bone marrow match from these poor people that are dying because the bone marrow is so destroyed so why don't we maybe think about perhaps just taking fetal liver cells inject it into their bloodstream and see what happens and those people are the founders of (laughs) m-cell and they started i know yeah and they yeah, go, go, go. yeah, and they cured 
aplastic anemia or bone marrow failure uh, multiple times. And I even found an old article from the Los Angeles Times from 1986 talking about this. I couldn't believe I didn't find it before. And it's in my new documentary. But so anyway, and that's and only because of that, because of this tragedy, were they able to fast track the authorization to allow fetal stem cells to be legal and authorized in Ukraine. That's why. And here we are 30 years later, and it's still legal. They never reversed the law. They never changed it. Um, and that's the only reason. So they didn't have to go through a long clinical trial process or anything. And so here we are now 30 years later. There's not been any uh, horror stories. There's been no tumors formed. There's been no bad side effects. And you hear nothing but people like yourself raving about it ever since. So anyway, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So how did you, how did you find it? I mean, how, how did you find fetal stem cells and how did you find M cell? I mean, of course they, they go hand in hand, but I mean, okay. What yeah. made you look at fetal stem cells from the start? <laughs> sure. It's a long story, but I'll give you the short version. So doing, I've released, this is, The God Cells is my fourth movie. My sixth movie is the new one, Ukraine Fetal Stem Cell Pioneers. My fifth movie was this crazy banking story that took place in the country of Andorra, unrelated to medicine. But all of my other movies were about scientific medical innovations that generally are unheard of that I have found promising in my own research, mainly because I found so many people helped by them. So what happened was uh, I was finishing my third movie, which actually was a whistleblower movie about a scientific therapy that was covered up by a famous cancer institution in the United States. But so nowadays when you make documentaries, you have to raise money. There's no other way. Like no yeah. one buys DVDs yeah. anymore. You can't make a profit off of them. So my first couple, yeah. my first movie, I was able to make a profit and sell DVDs, which funded my second and third movie. So going back to my third movie, I was running out of money because no one was buying DVDs anymore. So I had to raise money money, but I had enough people that were my fans and some of them were wealthy. So I was raising money to get me finished with my third movie. And one of the guys who was helping me kept asking me to look into fetal stem cells. And by the way, I get emails asking me to look into all kinds of things all the time. And sometimes I'll look yeah, into them. Yeah. Sometimes I'll look into them. And other times I just don't have time to, I, I'll, I'll focus on things that I have a passion about. And I really have the time to really, truly take a deep dive on. So anyway, this this guy kept saying, you got to look into fetal stem cells. I'll help you out with this, but you got to look into fetal stem cells. So I said, fine, I'll look into it. And it turns out this guy who was operating out of Mexico, who lived in Malibu, only a 30 minute drive from me. I live in Santa Monica, California, a part of Los Angeles, was operating out of Mexico using fetal stem cells. So I ended up going to Mexico 12 times once a month and trying to follow. And I, by the way, I did talk to some other patients that did really well. I'm giving you the quick story version of the story. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. so, and I, and I, by the way, I had never heard of MSL at this stage. This is back in 2014 through 2015. So I went to Mexico 12 times because he only treated people once a month in Mexico. People would fly into San Diego. He'd take them into Tijuana, blah, blah, blah. But nobody that I met that was going there for MS, Parkinson's, whatever, were getting any better, right? But all these people that had been there a year or two prior to me coming along and documenting had had good results. So long story short, I figure out, because I, I gained the trust of this guy who the company is called Stem Cell of America. He tells me that he got them from Ukraine. He discovered this in Ukraine. So me just being a, an investigative journalist, you know, I started poking around in Ukraine. I found MSO. 
And so I started emailing Emcel and I told him basically everything I told you. <laughs> and they said, okay, so hold on. They go, do not ever contact us again. We don't want to have anything to do with you. And I didn't understand why. <laughs> and so, and I was like, oh my God. So after long story short, me just doing what I do for a living and just being good at doing my job and like helping to gain people's trust and being honest about my intentions. I finally, after multiple at the time, Skype calls, explaining to MCL my situation and told them that I don't trust this guy. I think there's something wrong with his therapy. Maybe he does his run out of cells. I left out a big important part. The guy told me, the guy who was working out of Mexico, that he was trying to yeah. replicate the cells himself because he ran out. Forgive me, I forgot about this part. I, it's been a while. Sorry. How was so, he replicating it? Well, he was doing it very haphazardly in his kitchen in his home. <laughs> Oh my God! I know. So you need like a you need like a five million dollar machine, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of chemicals, and the proper technicians to do this. And so, and he yeah. completely botched it. A bunch of people got sick. Uh, it was bad. It was really bad. So anyway, I told Emcel all of these things. So I just said, they, but they still didn't want me to film anything. I mean, they, they understood. They believed me, and they did tell me that this guy, his name is William Rader, did go there and he got the cells from them. But they were very humble. They didn't tell me the true story. Long story short, I go to Emcel as a paying patient, just like you were, uh, but I, I convinced them to let me film it. So I was allowed to keep the cameras in my clinic room. That's it. And then I ended up meeting one of the co-founders during my trip. And he told me the story because he's the one that William Rader from the Mexican guy, uh, Mexican clinic met with and stole, he stole a batch of cells from them in 1995. So long ago when M cell was this tiny little operation working out of one room uh, in a hospital in a Kiev state hospital. So he convinced M cell to get hand over a batch of only brain and liver. That's it. So the basis of the, immune system and the basis of the neurological system because uh, he had falsified documents that he had had a permission from Czechoslovakia to open a clinic. It's, it's a, such a ridiculous story. It's, it deserves its own documentary. So anyway, that's how I met Emcel. So like I had to really fight my way in and now I'm happy I did. I mean, and now they completely trust me and, and a couple of more trips later, they finally let me into the lab. That's why you see the lab and the God cells. Like yeah. I had to go to Emcel like, I think it was like six times the first year to get all I needed. Um, and I kept going three or four times a year anyway, but in order to gain their trust, I needed a lot of FaceTime with them to really help them for them to trust me, you know? <laughs> so it's a really long okay, story. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. And, um, and I was really happy because I was, it helped me uncover what was happening uh, in Mexico. And so what's really sad is people see the God cells because you saw there was a clinic in Mexico, if you remember, and I very politely explained that, you know, Hey, you know, it's not the same thing. And, and I mean, this is where it's all originated. But uh, this guy passed away, unfortunately, since he's, well, I say unfortunately, but fortunately, frankly, because he doesn't, you know, I, I can now tell the truth without worrying about him trying to come after me legally. Like, remember OJ Simpson, the guy yeah. that like killed his wife, the famous football player? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. well, this guy's lawyer was OJ Simpson's lawyer. <laughs> so oh, uh, I was honestly, well, be careful then. exactly. Well, luckily he's gone now. But what's really sad is Stem Cell of America as a company is still technically open. I mean, these poor 
unsuspecting people are still going there. I mean, it's so sad and they don't have any stem cells left. I don't know what they're injecting people with. There's no doctor, like the, the guy who stole them that kind of understood it isn't even alive. Like it's a mess. And now with Russia and Ukraine, it's just such a mess because so many people are still falling victims of that place. But anyway, go ahead. But is, is it, I mean, don't you have like uh, written any regulations regarding fetal stem cells in, in America right now? or is it No. Like- well, first of all, in Mexico, it's illegal. So they're breaking the law by pretending to have fetal stem cells. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's in Mexico. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I, th- I thought it was in America. Yeah, but okay. No, 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 no. See, here's the thing. This guy was American. His office was in America. He kept the stem cells in his home in Malibu, smuggled yeah. them in and out of Mexico every month in the trunk of his car. It's unbelievable. And he would wow. just sit people down in chairs and inject them into the arm and into the abdomen. One in Injection each, because um, he at the time for a while, for from 1995 up until early, maybe 2010, 2013, which is you know almost 20 years, he used the same batch of stolen cells for 20 years, which were extremely old technology. Um, anyway, yeah, that's it. But you know, no, so no. So, so, in, so he would like replicate the the, the, the old cells to yeah, try to like. He tried. Was that the idea? That was the idea, but he failed miserably <laughs> okay. because he not only that he knew and he told me because. I knew him for a year and a half. He told me, just like Emcel did, that you should never replicate them because it ruins their proliferative potential. Just like at the beginning of our conversation when I was explaining that it needs two or three months to allow them to proliferate inside of your body. You never want them to proliferate outside of the body because you've already ruined them. So he knew he was ruining them. He was just trying to stretch his stock to try to keep his operation going because he knew he could not acquire any more fetal stem cells. Why? Because the only place on earth manufacturing them is M-cell in Kiev, Ukraine. <laughs> so, yeah, it's yeah, crazy. Okay. Yeah. So I remember I remember before they injected me every time, they they wanted to do it fast. Yeah. Uh, you want to know why? Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. What was your question first? No, that was my question absolutely. I, I, I wanted to it was that the reason because they they wanted them to proliferate inside my body or was they, were they afraid that they might die or yep. was I'll tell you why. So, what happens is um, in the new movie, you'll, it'll all come clear. And frankly, um, if you've ever seen, did you see the 37 minute preview of my new movie yeah, I released? Okay. Okay. You remember in the lab, they talk about how they produce them. They bring them in and they test them and then they store yeah. them. Right. Okay. So when they're stored on liquid nitrogen, once they're tested and categorized and ready to go, the reason they rush in is because once they they're thawed out, they test them again. They look at them under a microscope again, and they run them th- through the flow cytometer again to make sure those cells are at 98% live cells, just how they were when they were originally stored. So the, you, they have a 10-minute window to test them and give them to you before the cells might start dying. Correct. That's why. Oh, So, okay. So if they're not thrown into the soup of the human being, which is you or me, uh, within 10 minutes. I mean, I'm not saying they're all just going to instantly die in 10 minutes, but they just don't want to risk any chance of even one of those cells dying uh, before they're injected into you. But once they're inside of you, they think they're inside a ginormous fetus and they don't know where they are because they're, they're thawed to basically room temperature. Then they're sent into the human body you know, in, increase to body temperature and they're alive and they just, they keep living. So that's why. And they, and they, the, my body and your body, 
don't reject them because from what I understand, they come with a protein that tells the body not to reject them or something like that. Is, is that correct? You know, it's funny. If they, is that what they told you? There was a protein? Uh, no, that's what I, I think. I read it somewhere about fetal stem cells on, on, the, on the internet, so it might be wrong. But <clears throat> I mean, I, I assume they, at least they're not being rejected for some reason. Well, after all of the years of animal studies and all of the years of them working with humans later, but mainly in the animal studies and also just observing the data before they even tested it or gave it to humans after Chernobyl is that the seven to 12 week window of gestation, anything earlier is can perhaps not, there's the, the organs aren't formed well enough to be efficacious enough, but anything after 12 weeks, they can become too mature and rejection can occur. So, and they all, going back to the maternal body and pregnancy and the mother, it's a seven to 12 week mark generally where the majority of those cells graft into the mother host. So just enough study after a hundred years of understanding this mechanism, that's the window. And because of that, they don't understand where they are. They don't understand they're in a new body. They just don't understand. The, the cells don't understand. So it's, it's, that's why. And so it's foreign DNA technically, but if you think about it during yeah. pregnancy, that, that fetus in the womb is a foreign DNA to the mother because it's from one man and one woman. Yes, it has her DNA, but the man has very different DNA and just how a, a son or a daughter cannot necessarily donate a kidney to their mother. It's the same thing. The, it's, yeah. it's different DNA. So the, you might ask the question, why are those cells not rejected in the mother during while the fetus is in the womb? It's the same question. So does that make sense? It's, it's brilliant if you think about it. Because, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's why I called it trying to think of a name for this documentary, the first one, The God Cells. I couldn't think of a better one. It's like they're just doing God's work. You know, they're just, they, they just don't, yeah, you know what I mean? It is. <laughs> it's like, it is, yeah. it is almost yeah. like a, like a God cell. So, but yeah, so there's no rejection whatsoever. I mean, you know, so that's why, you know, unlike a bone marrow transplant where they have to give immunosuppressive drugs to make sure the bone marrow transplant grafts to the host. Um, yeah. And, and you'll probably ask that question because you read a lot about stem cell therapies where they they do use immunosuppressive drugs. It's just because that is the old line of thinking. It's the old standard of care. And it goes back to people, these scientists not understanding how fetal stem cells operate, or they don't understand that you must focus on seven to 12 week window, not the 16 to 18 week, nothing, you know? So yeah. And not to mention how valuable the liver cells are from seven to 12 week, because you're talking about the bone marrow is not formed yet. The blood system hasn't been completely formed yet. So that entire immune system, because the bone marrow and the blood, that's your your immune system, right? So you're, the liver, yeah, yeah, exactly. the liver is literally like the the explosive immune system foundation. I mean, it's crazy. It's extremely powerful. And of course, the brain is getting formed, and of course, that's the foundation of your entire nervous system. So, yeah. Well, you know, uh, I, when I also have a um, I also have a heart condition. Uh, I have uh, something called cardiac fibrosis, hmm. and uh, it it pretty much means that I have uh, scar tissue uh, around my heart okay. and uh, it's it's unclear how it got there I mean they have done pretty much every test they can 
and they haven't found the reason. They, the doctors in Sweden, they even call me a mystery. So it's kind of funny. But it's 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 a, it's a serious condition. What were you going to say? I was going to ask you, did you tell MCEL about it? Are they aware of that? Yeah, yeah. So that was uh, that was one of the things I talked to them about. And, and they said that they can't do anything about the scar tissue because... I'm not sure why, but there's, there's no real treatment to remove scar tissue right now anywhere in the world. It's true. And it seems like, yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a problem. But, but it seems like they are working on it with stem cells. And I think the way they're doing it is with IPS stem cells. Um, um, who is? I think there's a, there's a team in, uh, in the United States and also in England in the UK. So I'm not sure what they're actually doing, but I know that I saw a TEDx talk with uh, with a doctor called Murray. Yeah, doctor, a cardiologist named um, Dr. Murray something. He talked about them using IPS stem cells to uh, treat baboons heart, which also had uh, some kind of scar tissue and they and they have and they've had good results. So I'm not sure where this uh, this research is going and what it's going to yeah, what were you going to say? Well, I can speak on that. Well, first of all, IPS, which means induced, yeah, induced pluripotent stem cells, there's, they're very yeah. problematic because they behave like an embryonic stem cell. And like embryonic stem yeah. cells, one of the most defining traits of an induced pluripotent stem cell is non-cancerous tumor formation or teratomas. And I yeah. even have a scientist in my documentary who was tested IPS in mice for, for spinal cord injuries. And she said, the problem is these mice get tumors because of IPS. So it's really, it's very sad yeah. that IPS has been uh, talked about so much because it's very dangerous because not every person's going to get a tumor, but a lot of people are. And that's why, I mean, yeah, there, it's yeah. not really a mainstream therapy. There is IPS done in Mexico uh, for people. I would never get that therapy. I mean, it's because, first of all, if you think about it, yeah, me neither. Yeah, for, if you think about the way IPS is cultivated, so you, it's often taken from a skin cell or some random adult, you know, 10, 20, 40, 50 year old cell, right? Then they reverse engineer it to behave like an embryo. And so <laughs> there's no organ there. It's not a heart cell. It's an embryo. They're not, they're not re-engineering yeah. it to make a heart cell. So there's that. So I, IPS is a non-starter for me. And there's a lot of data and including a scientist who would work with both fetal and IPS for spinal cord injuries in mice and said, fetal is hands down the best. I'm not touching IPS to cause the tumors, blah, blah, blah. Now going back to M cell, um, they injected you because they know that you had this heart condition. They injected you with fetal cardiac cells. You got them. I know yeah, they did. Yeah, I think they told me. They told yeah. me, yeah. Well, here's here's the next step to that. And by the way, no, you cannot fix scar tissue. I mean, scar tissue is scar tissue. You can't just regenerate that. But what they can do, yeah. because your heart may be weakened because of the scar tissue, they, it can strengthen your existing heart tissue tremendously to help counterbalance yeah. the scar tissue. So what I filmed... Um, for the new documentary that I did not include, but I'm going to because I'm going to do a separate standalone video on it. I filmed the first American in history to ever receive a intracoronary, and what that is, it's the same procedure as putting a stent into the heart. They injected six vials of fetal cardiac cells, fetal heart cells, right into this guy's heart. Well, like they had like the monitors up. Right. They had this tube sticking into his heart with a camera, and um, this guy had. Uh, congestive heart failure. He had 25% 
um, heart capacity. He had to sleep sitting up uh, because of its congestive heart failure. So your lungs are filling up with fluid. So I actually made a special trip to Ukraine to film this guy who, because he was on the heart transplant list. He did not want a heart transplant. He said, I'd rather do this first, Eric. I said, hey, can I film you? He said, sure. So I go all the way over there. I, I film this procedure. Um, and the guy is sleeping, sitting up. They, he studied in Ukraine a little longer for observation. He, within two days, he was uh, sleeping, laying down. He had no more congestion. His heart capacity was increasing. He goes back to America. He gets COVID on the plane home and ends up with pneumonia in an ICU and lives. He doesn't die. <laughs> no way. Yeah. No, I have no proof. Wow, that's, yeah. I know. I have no proof of this, but I think the stem cells saved his life. Because not only did he get the intracoronary, he got the same therapy that you got on the basic, you know, subcutaneous and intravenous. He didn't get the intrathecal because he didn't have a neuronal issue. So, but unfortunately, he ended up having to get the heart transplant because by the time all this settled, um, you know, he wasn't going to go back again and risk getting COVID again. And because um, COVID was still yeah. raging at that point. Um, so, but I filmed all of this. I, I had trouble finding a way to tell that whole story in the new documentary. So that's why I'm going to do a separate little short movie on the whole thing. Uh, so I can properly tell that story. But so what I'm trying to say is if you start developing a really serious heart problem, you could think about getting the intracoronary procedure. Um, you know, that's all I'm saying. You could theoretically. I had no idea that was available, actually. Yeah. The intra, intracoronary. So, so they do that on, in, in M-cell. Yeah. Okay. Well, they do not do it in the clinic. They do not have the facility for it. So they did build the room for it. You saw that brand new clinic, right? That brand new clinic. Remember that yeah. that room yeah. you that room you went into for the intrathecal, the spinal kind of you walked into that yeah. room yeah. and you took a left. You remember? You walked into the corridor Maybe, and you took yeah. a left. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, on the other side of that section of that area is the intracoronary room. However, while it is complete. It, they need the equipment to do it. And it's millions of dollars for that equipment. And they were on their way to getting that and COVID hit. They opened this clinic in November, 19, November 2019. Oh. COVID hits like six weeks later and they almost completely was shut down. They managed to get through that. They get on their feet and then Russia invades. So they can't exactly pour millions of dollars into this equipment yet. So to answer your question, what they did is they partnered with a hospital that's only 10 minutes from them. They trained the cardiologists on how to do it. It. And frankly, it didn't take much training. So there are third-party cardiologists that work for a Kiev hospital because it's the same procedure as a stint. It's all they do. Instead of putting a stint in, they stick in a line like where the camera goes, you know, but and they uh, an additional line where they yeah. just, they, they inject six huge vials of fetal heart cardiac cells. It's unbelievable. So like they go right into the heart, but of course- So, so they, go through the, they go through the arm, right? Yeah, uh, yep, with, correct. Uh, with a catheter. Yeah, That's okay. exactly exactly right it was remarkable uh, uh, they've done it on me oh they have yeah yeah they, they've uh, i've done ablation so so they, they they went both through my arm and my thighs wow like the inside of my thighs i'm not sure well, yeah, so. i'd be curious because yeah, so, now, uh, now you got me thinking casper because i would love to maybe even document you if you want to do this so what what did, do you have like a certain heart capacity now that like is there a, is there a measurable thing about your heart that if you did get this intracoronary and you had a huge improvement like could it be measured from your doctors in the in sweden well, I would have to ask, but what I know is that my heart capacity is is pumping at fifty five percent, which is optimal. Okay. This is something that uh, I know since last year, 
the only thing that maybe we can measure is only the scar tissue, which is also very hard to measure since you need to do MRI and stuff like that. The thing is, and, it's uh, I have a. It's not yeah. going to affect the scar tissue, though. Uh, it's just unfortunately. Yeah, it's not. exactly. So yeah. yeah, so yeah, so, so that won't be an option. So. But that's, yeah, that, that goes to another answer to your limitation question. So in your case, with your heart scar tissue, it's, it's not going to go away. Yeah. All you can do is protect yeah. and regenerate the existing non-scarred heart. So Yeah. 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 So, so that's, that's what they told me as well. They told me that this is going to strengthen my heart, but they can't remove the scar tissue, which is okay for me. I mean, I've, I've, done, the, uh, I've done the ablation, and it, it removed my uh, arrhythmias. Here's what's interesting, Casper, now that I'm thinking about it, because you were given fetal cardiac cells as well as like the fetal liver cells and all the premesenchymal cells, all the cells related to not only your heart, but your entire circulatory system. You were also given endothelial cells, which build new capillaries and, and strengthen your existing blood vessels. So it's only been three months since your therapy. Have you been back to any cardiologist since you've had the therapy? Uh, no, but I'm but I'm I'm having a, a talk. I'm, uh, I have an appointment with my doctor on this Wednesday, and uh, they are going to talk to me about the second ablation, and they will probably do all kinds of tests before, like uh, uh, ultrasound and you know the standard stuff. So it's going to be really interesting to see what they say. I'm I'm, uh, I'm actually eager to to see if they've seen any changes in my heart. Yeah, uh, me too. Here's what I'd like to ask you. First of all. Do you? I'm not saying you should tell them you did this because I'm trying to. I'm trying to decide if you should. Uh, are they aware that you've done this? Your doctors, fetal stem cells? No, no, okay. no. I'm, I'm, I'm actually thinking about it myself. Maybe just wait until they. Maybe if they say something. Here's what I. Because I, I, I don't want anything. to. Because doctors are emotional creatures. Because they have. They're humans, right? I would recommend <laughs> yeah, yeah, not yeah. saying a word, and I would ask them. I would. If you're going to get all these tests, heart tests anyway, because of the new ablation, um, do it. But I, what I'm trying to get at is, Casper, is see if they're willing to run every conceivable test on your heart, like like whenever, like everything, whatever is conceivable. I've, I've never had any heart issues. Whatever they can do, because I'd be very interested, Casper, to see if you're if they've noticed changes. I'm serious, because you have been given enough fetal heart cells to, to people with heart attacks and strokes. Up until the intracoronary, which is, like I said, this American was the first American in history to ever been treated with fetal heart cells in this method. And it was only like the 10th or 12th patient M-cell had ever treated. And they had mainly only treated people that were local Ukrainians in their own internal clinical trials to verify that it was successful and safe and all of that. So what I'm trying to say is... Okay, but what I'm trying to say is before this, every other heart patient that went to M-cell, every other stroke patient, anyone with heart disease or a heart attack, they were given the therapy just like you were, and they had great improvements. So I'd be interested to see if your heart has improved measurably. Yeah, that, yeah. so just keep that in mind. And don't yeah. s- don't say anything to them about the fetal stem cells until afterwards, if you say anything at all. <laughs> I won't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't, I won't say a word. <laughs> the thing is, I think the, the, uh, 55% uh, of capacity is, is like the maximum. I think oh, okay. that's how they measure it. Yeah, so I don't think we're going to see an improvement there. But... I think they might see a difference in the in the EKG or ECG. What is, how, do you, how do you say it? Well, electrocardiogram. So it's ECG. ECG, right? Yeah, yeah I think it's ECG. Yeah. So okay. So uh, they might find because that's the two standard tests they do. They they, they do an ultrasound and they do an uh, ECG. So. 
we might uh, we might see a difference there uh, because usually doctors tell me, yeah, I mean, we can see uh, abnormal like stuff happening in your heart, and, and if I have extra heart, extra uh, extra beats or something like that, and and they can measure how many times per hour I have I have these extra beats, which which is also what causes the arrhythmias like they are the thing that starts uh like yeah if you know what i mean it's it's like a dance and when they lose the, when they when the extra heartbeat comes they they lose the rhythm and yeah and, and then the arrhythmia starts so so hopefully i might see a, a diff a, a, an improvement in in the uh ecg so I, I'll, I'll keep you updated yeah, please do. You know what I also would like to keep you up, keep me updated on is you may be going back, especially with your parents. And the reason I say this is because, um, you know, I'm going to go back every year, regardless of the Russia situation. And even though I was there in September, uh, filming a lot of people, did you see my short film of us there in September? Uh, yeah, I okay, did. cool, I did. cool. Yeah, anyway, I got, but my normal annual therapy is always July. So I'm aiming for July, um, which, uh, you know, because you were there just there in October. You could go earlier. Yeah. I mean, if you go earlier, please go ahead. You don't have to go just because I'm there. What I'm trying to say is it would be super fun yeah. to be there at the same time as you. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it would be fun. Yeah, particularly if, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's always fun with a group. Um, and who knows, maybe if yeah. we're lucky, this whole Russia situation will be over with who knows so, so how was it how was it for uh, for emsa i mean uh, i know they're out of is i mean are they affected by the uh, bombings or uh, well, how are they doing luckily emsa they were pretty smart so i mean they're clever people as you know already just being incredibly smart yeah, doctors but yeah. but see once uh crimea was annexed in 2014 and that was right around the time they decided they wanted to build a new updated clinic, like a brand new state-of-the-art clinic, they strategically located the new clinic in an area that would not be of strategic interest in case there was a military attack. So what that means is it's not close to any energy infrastructures. It is close to some residential areas, but it's not like downtown or the city area of Kiev. It's called Kiev. They are in Kiev, but they're not in the yeah. middle of like downtown. I mean, it's like a 40 minute drive, sometimes an hour, depending on traffic, to get from yeah, downtown yeah, yeah, yeah. from downtown Kiev to the new clinic. So answer your question, there's that. So they have not had any, um, you know, explosions or bombs or missiles landing anywhere near them. They did say to me, because I was, I obviously asked them every question I could about this invasion when I was there. They said on February 24th, they called everyone into the conference room trying to decide what they were going to do. They had patients in the building. You know, they're like, do we go home? Do we send everyone home? What do we do? And when they were sitting in the conference room, you remember it's all glass, the building's all glass. And they all watched a giant, they watched a gigantic missile fly across the sky right in front of them. Past the building, and they both said, "Well, that answers the question. We have to get the hell out of here." Yeah, so it's like, yeah, it's like, so yeah. Anyway, so an answer question. They also have because they need to make sure, even without an invasion, they have a backup generator, a diesel generator that runs the clinic. I have been on um, uh, Zoom calls with them uh, during the invasion, where the lights go out for about ten seconds and they turn back on because the light goes out because you know if they're conserving electricity or they need to turn things off and then they're generator kicks in so to answer your question i mean 
because they're humble, strong people that to them, Russia being a threat is every day to them, even before this. I mean, as far as they're concerned, yeah. Russia has been at war with them since 2014, as far as they're concerned. Yeah, and course, and yeah. they're used yeah. to Russia committing genocide in their country every hundred years, like it's in their DNA. So to answer your question, they're, yeah. they're just continuing business as usual. I mean, they, I mean, they're being careful and they're not idiots about it. They're not being completely, you know, ignorant to the reality, yeah. but um, they're just just trying their best to continue business as usual and trying to keep their business going. And big people that need the therapy are still going. I mean, I've talking to between five, sometimes 10 or 12 patients per month. When my group had nine people in September in October, I think at least eight to 10 people went, you being one of them. And then in October, yeah. I think eight to 10 people went. And then December, maybe five. In January, I'm aware of at least maybe three to, uh, well, three for sure, maybe a half a dozen might total go so far. But just because I say that, these are just the people I'm talking to. I don't speak to everyone that goes. Yeah. If somebody reaches out to me, I talk to them, but not everybody reaches out to me that goes. So, I mean, they're not doing great, they're, but they're not doing horrible either. They're not going to go belly up or anything. So, but I mean, yeah, so, so that's, that's, first of all, that's really nice to hear that they, they're doing fine mm -hmm. uh, because they're really, really nice people. Uh, uh, they really took care of me and my wife. Um, so, but I think July might be, uh, I think they told me to wait at least 12 months. Okay. Um, I'm not sure. So yeah. maybe they said nine to 12 months, uh, but they told me that I, I'm going to be, because a lot of people want to, they want to go like after a few months, they want to go, they want to go again. Yeah. And they said that we tell people not to not go, be, at least wait 12 months because you're going to, the sales are still doing work and yeah. you, you, you are going to see more improvements during this year. Wait, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm going to have to talk to them. Let's see what they say. Uh, maybe this summer might be a bit too early for me. That's okay. Uh, I don't know for certain. I haven't, what to say. I haven't purchased my plane tickets for July yet. I'm just, this is sort of loosely an idea, but honestly, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. To be honest, again, going back to our conversation about the proliferation of the cells, that is why they yeah. say that, um, because they understand how they behave inside of you. But they will treat some patients, yeah. um, you know, in, in rare cases, uh, as as early as six months later, depending on the condition. But generally, okay. nine months is like, okay, nine months is enough time. I'm just telling you, based on what I've seen. But they, and there's, there's yeah. reasons why they say this. They say 12 months for two reasons. One, of course... It's best to wait 12 months for the reasons scientifically, but they also don't want to try to oversell their therapy and make it sound like you have to come back more often than needed. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's also part of it. They try to be very humble of course, of course. and yeah. uh, loose about that. And it's always just a suggestion. It's not a requirement. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so, um, so. I mean, it also depends on how well am I doing. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping my improvements will continue. So, but, but I mean, even if I, if even if I'm ninety percent recovered and there's ten percent left, I'm gonna go again. So <laughs> for me, it doesn't really matter. I'm probably gonna go again, and I'm gonna bring my parents. So, so uh, I'm hoping that the thing, the whole war thing with Russia just stops. And to be honest, it's it was a it, it was tough to go from. Poland, I mean, from Sweden to Ukraine. Oh, yeah. It, it took us about almost two days. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> and, 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 and the, the funny thing is from Sweden to, to Kiev, it's like two hours flight. Uh-huh. Uh, well, yeah, well, in normal conditions. So. Imagine me coming... 
from Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, was like, it was crazy. So for you, it must be like three or four days. Well, I mean, that's crazy. Well, to be honest, I think we left. Well, but okay. We left on a Friday. Landed Saturday morning in Warsaw, caught the train several hours later on Saturday, arrived in Kiev on Sunday. So it really wasn't that bad. So it was basically two days, Friday to Sunday. So, and we, the only sleep we got was on the plane from LA to Warsaw and then on the train. So of course we were exhausted Sunday. We didn't get that much sleep and, um, you know, but yeah, it's, it's brutal. I mean that the train ride, 17 hours. I mean, having a private sleeper car is nice, but it really, you realize what we took for granted. I know that was your first time there, but you know, I, I don't know if you know this, but I've been there 30 times. Only one of those times was, um, you know, the train ride. Oh my. And so I got really used You've to been this. You've 30 times? Oh yeah. Think about it. Okay. 2016, I was there between 2016. Okay. I went there two or three times in 2016 because I, I didn't get there until early summer. And then 2017, I was there several more times because again, like I told you, I kept having to go back. I didn't need to, but I wanted to. I realized what I just stumbled upon and I needed that. I needed to spend more time with them in person if they were going to trust me to get me, allow me to get in that lab. And by the way, I say it in the new movie, which I neglected to say in the first movie, I am the first member of the outside public who has ever stepped foot in that lab ever. Nobody from the outside world other than MCL staff has been in there. And so of course, also, if I'm going to interview patients for a new documentary the only way to do that is to keep going back it's the only way so not only am i going once a year for myself not okay then there's also i made a special trip for my father i made a special trip for my wife's mother i made a special trip for my wife's wife you know and uh, and every time i go i make a, an announcement you know on the website or whatever and, and say hey i'm going to be there in case you want to go and that's also how i'm able to get new patients for the documentaries or this documentary so yeah. but yeah i it's funny i didn't realize it was 30 times but when Russia invaded, I was so devastated, as you can imagine, um, you know, in February, yeah, I decided to like add up uh, for the first time ever. I went through and calculated how many times I'd been there. And the least amount of time I spent there was a week, but it's I've been there up to three weeks at a time. And I've spent almost a year of my life there cumulatively. It's crazy. <laughs> Oh, wow. So, yeah. And, so, and this is from 2016 yeah. up until now. That up until 2022, okay. yeah. Wow. And 2022 was the only time I ever been there once. That's it, you know? Mm. So, yeah. I was there. Yeah, so... so yeah. That- but you, but you only, but you only did the treatment once per year, right? Correct. Yeah, I've had the treatment six times. Okay. Even though I skipped in in COVID twenty twenty, I didn't get the treatment in COVID. And do you, and do you feel like, I mean, you don't have the same issues I have, but, but do you feel like the effect? Is, I mean, you mentioned it before, but do you feel like for every time you do it, the, the effect is accumulating? Like, yeah. Well. Nothing is nothing for me as an anti-aging protocol, whereas I didn't have any damage like or someone like yourself with an issue that you're noticing that quickly, yeah. like brain damage. But um, the first therapy for me was the most powerful, partly due because I, I think I mentioned earlier that, you know, I didn't have any expectations. I was just going to go there to be able to film and, and get in there. And I just wanted to f- 
film it, you know, because I realized that the way they did it was way different than the way that the guy in Mex- that was treating people in Mexico. Just he was yeah. stuck somebody in a chair and stuck a needle in their arm. Like they did a full set of diagnostics and they had a whole protocol that was personalized and it went, you know, a matter of days. And like, <clears throat> as you experienced, the first therapy was when I was like, oh my God, like it did. It took about a couple of months and I went, this is crazy. I couldn't believe how I was feeling. So of course I couldn't wait to get it again. And of course, and I got it the second time, I got it the second time and I, I felt great, but it wasn't as, as dramatic as the first one, I think because I was still doing so well, but here's, what's interesting. Here I am 50. I go to the gym all the time. I have one like two blocks away. I'm not like some crazy in shape buff guy or anything, but I just go to the gym regularly. I don't have any aches and pains. I do lift kind of heavily and I kind of abuse my body a little bit. Um, I, uh, I don't know. You know what I mean? And I, I, I tend to not get, cause I've been so busy, especially lately. I'll get like only like last night I slept four and a half hours. I'm not saying that's a good idea. I feel unbelievable. <laughs> it's like I've got so much energy. It's crazy. Yeah. And like, so and I, I never get sick. Yeah. Like I never have any of these things. Um, I sleep great and sound. Like I have these sleep uh, monitoring things on my bed and on my this thing I wear in my arm. Like my REM is like ridiculous. Like how deep my REM is and my deep sleep versus my light sleep. And I don't think that was ever like that before. Like I would need to sleep eight, nine, sometimes ten hours. I would just be like dragging out of bed. I don't have that. Um, so to answer your question, yeah, I feel unbelievable. I mean, for anybody else my age that has never had this, that is kind of the same body build and the same lifestyle like i'm way better off than they are and and frankly friends and family that haven't seen me in years are kind of shocked when they see me because they're just like what have you been doing like you look younger than i saw you last what is going on (laughs) you know and i don't know it's it's interesting so i would like to get this every year for the rest of my life honestly you know i see no reason not to um i think it's worth the investment um, compared to, I agree. And, and there's a lot of reason to believe that it's a cancer preventative, aside from it being a preventative for heart disease, uh, liver disease, everything disease. Um, it's a preventative for arthritis because it's so in, anti-inflammatory. It's preventative for brain decline. Uh, obviously, has been a preventative for any weird aches and pains and joints. I have no knee, ankle, elbow pain, shoulder, nothing. Yeah. I just feel remarkable. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I can't. I can't. I mean, I'm not, I'm not where you are, but but I can say that it's it's insane how fast things went from like. That's actually one thing. The thing you you mentioned about sleep, because I told you I couldn't sleep before. Mm-hmm. I had to go on medication. I've slowly like stopped taking my sleep medication. It's something that's still with me because I'm a little bit traumatized. You know, when you when you're not able to sleep for ten years, you're you're a bit traumatized. So, so the, the the bad habits are still with me, but I'm but I'm I'm slowly stop stopping taking them. So, but one thing I noticed is that I, I'm now able to sleep without them. Mm-hmm. But there was a week where a few weeks ago there was a week where I couldn't sleep at all. Something happened. I was like, why can't I sleep? I wasn't <laughs> feeling very bad when I when I woke up. I wasn't feeling very bad. I was like. I'm still feeling pretty good. I'm tired, but I'm, I'm. If this was three months prior, I would have been totally crushed. But now I'm like, okay, it, this is this is affecting me, but it's not fun. What is happening with me? I, I, I wanted to find out what was happening. But I think I figured out what it was. Okay. Uh, because you know, I mentioned I haven't been able to think. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's it's it was painful for me to think because uh, uh, it's hard to explain. You have to experience it. But I realized that I'm actually able to think now. Yeah. 
and I was thinking so much that I couldn't sleep. Yep. There you go. So there was a dilemma <laughs> for me. So so I had to like I had to kind of like work on it. Like, how am I supposed to get some sleep now? What when I when I'm now when I'm going to bed, I'm just thinking about all kinds of stuff. The the, the results are remarkable. You, you you can't. It's magical. You can't really explain it. It's isn't it crazy. weird too that how you can't explain it is that's the most interesting part. Is you, people try to say to me, well, how does it feel? And it's really hard to explain because. You were, and it's same for you. Like you have, you had brain damage. I mean, of course you can explain yeah. things like I think better, yada, yada, you know, but it's hard to really explain it properly because, you know, like it's easy to explain. How does caffeine affect you? It's easy to explain that. How does yeah. um, this particular medication affect you? You know, these are chemicals yeah. basically, but yeah. when you're injected with 24 different organ stem cell types, that's biology. That's so unfamiliar yeah. to what we're used to having given to us. It's very difficult to verbalize what it feels like. You know, yeah. So, yeah, it's not, I don't think it's possible. Yeah. I, I think you're right. Uh, yeah. Because there's, it's, there's a lot of there's a lot of different things happening. It's it's not only one thing. It's like maybe ten different things happening at the same time. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it it makes sense because you were given almost twenty four different organ cell types. You know, hitting, you know, uh, you know, nearly two dozen different parts of your body, uh, targeting you know not only yeah. your brain. So it's it's fascinating. Yeah. And so also too going back, I mean, the very idea like you got the endothelial cells and the cardiac cells. So by default, your circulatory system is doing way better, which of course helps your brain. You know, it, it's all hand in hand. It's a very holistic. They're treating the whole body. So the whole body is going to have this interesting reaction versus just one part. Like if you get a headache and you take a headache, take a Tylenol, then your headache goes away. But you know that's it. You know, but you know this is treating yeah, everything. Yeah. You know. So so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, this and, is one. What would you say? Uh, what would you say? Go ahead. Yeah, go no, ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was just. No, you please go ahead. Okay, thank you. Uh, well, I was going to ask. Uh, you had experience with MS patients, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how how many times? Because I have a friend uh, who has MS, and and uh, how how many times would you say? It's. I mean. To, also, of course, it's a degenerative disease, but how many times usually does it take for someone to notice good results? Oh, it completely. De- I mean, even if it also, yeah. Well, how long ago was this person diagnosed? Maybe ten years ago. Okay. How how is their mobility right now? Are they able to walk around? Are they in a wheelchair or? Uh, they they're not in a wheelchair. They they are walking around, but they have uh, what do you call uh, what do you, what do you call them? It's like. Uh, you know the thing where old people have when uh, they walk, like uh, a walker. What do you call it? Like, yeah, like a walker or something like that. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. going back to our conversation, so every single patient that I have met that has MS, no matter how bad, just in my experience, has yep. had has seen improvements. Every single one. Now, whether or not it can completely reverse it after one therapy is something different. Um, so and th- this is going to be great to help you answer the question when you see my new documentary, um, which I, I can't forget to yep. send it to you. I'll send it to you the link and password on WhatsApp when we're finished. But And that'll, that'll answer all of your questions. If you really watch that section carefully, and frankly, if you are, if you want to send this to your friend, you know what? Better yet, um, if if your friend wants to see it, um, tell him to email me or give him my email. Because what I do is I like because I I change the password to these uh, links um, every so often. 
So, but I think yeah, it'll yeah. be it'll be good for him to see it because I would want to see it if I was in his position. So, to answer your question, to be honest, I mean, yeah, I mean, I I have not personally seen an MS patient say that did nothing for me, uh, particularly only ten years out. Remember, I talked to you about a woman that was diagnosed eighteen years ago, eighteen yeah. that had twenty years of damage because she noticed the decline for two years and didn't get diagnosed until eighteen years, you know, until until that point. So she really had it for twenty years. It least you know and she was on a, yeah, yeah, she was yeah. in a walker and all of that stuff too and also the thing is with ms it has different degrees some are more progressive than others some people have a mild version and some people have really aggressive version you'll meet a guy chad that was only diagnosed a year before his first treatment and while he's okay but one of his arms still don't work yeah. um and he's was able to walk though wow. and he was falling like six to ten times a day he doesn't fall anymore um he just has a new baby he was never able to hold the baby until he got the therapy now he can hold the baby like you know those are huge things even though he's not perfect his right arm still doesn't work properly but his left arm works perfectly and he's able to walk around again and be a dad you know so they still have to keep doing the treatment right well they don't have to it's really up to the patient but if they want to continue seeing improvement you know they have they kind of should but frankly anybody that does this once that say has ms and they see improvement they're going to be like i can't believe i found i can't believe i found something that works yes i'm going to do this every year absolutely because there's no drug that can do this there's no drug on the there's nothing that can do what this therapy can do so and even though it is you know uh you know you remember what you paid for it but i mean these ms drugs they're like a hundred thousand two hundred thousand a year yeah insurance covers it and and, and i'm talking about in america at least this what m cell charges is a fraction of that but unfortunately you have to pay for it that's the only difference so yeah i mean yeah of course and and they have side effects as well so oh yeah no the ms drugs have terrible side effects and that's something that you know they're also afraid of uh I feel like, you know, we mentioned IPS cells, right? You, yep. Before we talked about, yeah. So I feel like scientists are working on IPS cells now because they kind of want to avoid fetal stem cells because it's such a controversial topic. Yep. It, you are like maybe that's the. You are absolutely right. You're absolutely right. In fact, everybody, it's not just the IPS scientists, everybody is scrambling to find anything that can compete with fetal stem cells. And they just can't do it because you can't, especially when it comes to neurological issues like MS or brain damage, you cannot create a neuronal stem cell out of a blood cell or uh, a skin cell or any cell. I mean, and it's, I don't mean to laugh, but it's joke. I mean, and in fact, the lead scientist from cell is in my new documentary explaining this she goes she goes i've been to a lot of conferences i go to as many stem cell conferences as i can to meet other people and every single conference after i do my presentation i have some scientists quietly come up to me and say we have worked with fetal stem cells in the past they're very effective. Unfortunately, we're not allowed to work with them because of the so-called ethical issues and because they don't think yeah. they can ever be legalized. And they said to her, you are so lucky that you're able to work with fetal stem cells. We envy you. We wish we could. Oh, really? Yeah. 
And she said it on camera. I mean, of course I asked her, who's the scientist? And she's like, well, I cannot tell you their names. I will never allow you to do that. <laughs> you know, but your assumption is absolutely correct. IPS and all of it, all of it, they're trying to compete with fetal. It's like, I don't know how to compare it to it. I mean, it's like trying to create artificial oxygen. Like, why don't, why would you do that? You have oxygen, you know, it's like, it's like, <laughs> oxygen's everywhere. You know, it's uh, yeah. like, <laughs> and I also want to mention that, uh, you know, the, the two, uh, the two research teams I mentioned before, the, the one uh, who are working on scar tissue, cardiac scar tissue. I mean, it's it, it's nothing that's available. Uh, it's it's something that is still being researched. And that's so it's, yep. even if it, yeah. That's the problem. Um, if you remember in the God Cells, I interviewed CIRM, the California Institute for Generative Medicine. They have been working for more than yes. a decade on trying to get anything FDA approved, $8 billion, <laughs> nothing. And it's sad. Yeah. And it's, again, it goes back to the market problem. And, um, we read all these headlines. Oh, they've found this great treatment for this and that. And unfortunately, maybe your grandkids will have access to that. I mean, it's almost none of it, especially yeah. stem cell relatable ever reached the market. It's very, very sad. It's very sad. That's, I think it's yeah. insane because I mean, the fetal stem cells have been around fetal stem cells have been around for more than 30 years, right? Yep. At least 30 years. Well, that 1986 so, was the first people ever treated with fetal from for Chernobyl. So just go ahead and say 86 on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's, I think it's so crazy that we're not using it. It's like, it's, it's there, you know, and it could help so many people, but it's, I mean, there are stem cells. I mean, I don't know about MSC stem cells. I know there are clinics that help people with, uh, joint pains and stuff like that and maybe it helps i don't know yeah it does I can't msc mesenchymal yeah. will help with joint sports injuries it does help because it has there it's the yeah. only thing they've been proven to transform into they can't become a heart lung liver brain cell but they can become cartilage or connective tissue and sometimes bone they can help those things yeah so, so do you think fetal stem cells will be available mainstream or do you think that ips stem cells will become the next thing that will substitute well, fetal stem cells. The what thing is, um, I can't see anything becoming a substitute for fetal. It's impossible. Like there's, there's, it's scientifically impossible. It's like trying to ride a yeah. bike across the Atlantic Ocean. You can't do it unless somebody builds a bridge, right? Yeah. Um, so... Um, yeah, yeah. So in IPS, again, they cause tumors. There's no, there's nothing they can do about it. It causes tumors, just like embryonic does. But to answer your question, do I think fetal stem cells will become mainstream? I Unfortunately, Casper, uh, I don't mean to sound cynical. I've just been following this kind of work for a long time. Uh, the answer is no, not in our lifetime, no. And unless the entire, both monetary and economic and medical system is so revamped where profit isn't the sole reason for this to operate into the world to operate, which then we get into this whole rabbit hole of communism and socialism. And, you know, <laughs> unless, you know, profit is taken out, uh, there's no way it's not possible. And not to mention the political side of the abortion issue. That's a, that's a whole nother monster to tackle. So, I spent years, and when I first, like my first documentary, Brzezinski, was about a scientist who created a very interesting treatment for cancer that he owned the patents on. And by the way, it just recently got re-released on YouTube. It's got 2.0. 
pushing 2.3 million views in just two weeks. And I used to be a big activist about this. Um, that was my first documentary. And it was the most popular, which just yeah. kind of gave me my career. I used to be a big activist trying to change the system and say, convince the government and the, you know, why won't you let this therapy come to market? You know, even though the American Food and Drug Administration did allow it to be tested, even though the Japanese did randomized studies and, and proved that it works, they doubled the survival rate in the randomized study in the in, in this inventor's treated group um, and still got nowhere. And I realized what a waste of time it was. And I said, okay, my focus really should be on finding the technologies and in this case, fetal stem cells, telling a good story and helping those people who need it now. And it's unfortunate that only people that have the means can get it um, and are willing nowadays to, to go to Ukraine during a Russian invasion like yourself and like myself. Yeah. And so I found that it's yeah. my time was better spent focusing on helping those people. And that those people are my audience versus trying to change the system. Like, for example, I haven't told this story in a while. Like you have to see the documentary to appreciate this. But yeah. this when I did the first documentary, when they were they needed to get $300 million roughly to do FDA phase three randomized studies for this particular rare brain cancer in children. And the guy who was in charge of raising this money was old college roommates with President Obama's chief of staff. Okay. This was back in 2009. Oh. Obama just got elected. So this guy calls me up and says, I'm meeting with Obama's chief of staff, David Axelrod, uh, soon in Washington, D.C. Where is your documentary at this stage? Because I hadn't released it yet. I said, well, it's basically done. I'm just waiting to get music done, blah, blah, blah. So I FedEx it to him, and he gets it. He shows it to David Axelrod, the chief of staff of President Obama. And I was very naive, thinking, oh, my God, the pre the White House is going to see my doc. This is going to change everything. Because once they see this, how could they possibly not do something about it, right? And so the guy comes, calls me back a couple weeks later and says, I met with David Axelrod. And he said, you're not going to believe what he said. I said, what, what? And remember, this these guys were old college friends, right? These are just friends yeah. having lunch. There wasn't like a meeting to pitch him anything thing. And he said, Axelrod watched the movie and said, it's very important. But he said, this is just too big. It's too big. He said, even if we, he said, maybe in 10 years, we can face this issue. He said, but even if we did, and we allowed this one man who has patents on this therapy to get his therapy approved for market, it would destroy the existing cancer market and it potentially create Wall Street in a downfall. He's like, so many pharmaceutical industries yeah. would go under because no one would want chemotherapy or radiation as a first line of defense if they know they have this gentle, non-toxic, I left that part out, this this therapy is non-toxic. It doesn't make your hair fall out. It doesn't do any of that stuff. It's not the easiest therapy yeah. to administer, but anyway, so that was a behind-the-scenes, friendly conversation. So that was like the biggest eye-opener for me to go, wow. Like even the White House said, nah, this is too big. Can't touch this one. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I know it works, but uh -oh. no, 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 we can't touch this one. So imagine fetal stem cells. This how, I mean... <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, that's, uh, that's even bigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and and, and I, I, know, I know for a fact that the, the FDA in, in America, I mean, it's so crazy how, how uh, people who work with the FDA then later go on to work for medical companies. Oh, yeah. Like, what are you guys doing? It's a reviving, revolving door, yeah. No, the FDA does not work for the American public. The FDA works for the pharmaceutical no. industry. And I'm not being sarcastic. It's really true. Like, they are the police yeah, for... Yeah, I know it's true. Yeah. So. And, and the, the, the sad part is that the FDA's decision affects even us in Sweden. Oh, so yeah. It's like... 
whatever whatever America does is like the rest of the world does. It's exactly right. I have another example for you. So I mentioned how this therapy, this cancer therapy was tested in Japan. It was tested for over 10 years independently by the Japanese in a, in a, in a medical research, uh, uh, part of a university, a medical school, because like most medical universities, they have a research department. Um, they tested it for 10 years. They got all the way to the final phase of testing, randomized studies. And I went all the way to Japan to interview these people, by the way. And I actually helped them get the study published because I said, why did you not publish this? Anyway, so I said to them, why on earth you've already made it this far, farther than we have in the United States with this medication? Why would you not get it approved just for the Japanese people? And he said, well, first of all, you need a major pharmaceutical behind it with a lot of money to um, l lobby the Japanese you know, regulatory agency to do it. I said, well, why wouldn't you do that? I said, I can probably help you raise that money. I mean, what the heck, you know, right? It's like, I mean, it's how hard could that be? He said, well, the problem is, Eric, if the Japanese regulatory agency, just call it the Japanese FDA, if the Japanese FDA approved it for the Japanese, he said the American FDA would retaliate by no longer approving any drugs that is produced in Japan in the United States. And because the American FDA is basically the king, the holy grail of all all regulatory agencies of the world. For example, anything that's approved by the American FDA is almost rubber stamped in approval in Germany, France, Italy, Sweden, you name it. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like you don't, yeah. just because something goes through 20 years of testing in the US doesn't mean Sweden goes, okay, you did it. Now we're going to go through our 20 years of testing in Sweden. No, no, no. They're just going to approve it because yeah. the American FDA did it. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, the Japanese said, we wouldn't want to risk. Yeah, we know it works. We know it would save so many lives, but why would we just destroy the entire Japanese pharmaceutical industry just to release one drug to help cure cancer. Why would we do that? <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. If you can't make money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, why would you destroy a whole industry and put, you know, thousands of people out of, out of work yeah. um, just to help uh, cure cancer? Like, I, I think from a moral standpoint, it's a good idea. But if you think about it from an economic standpoint, which it all comes down to, it's just... You can't do it's it. Disaster. Yeah, it's a disaster. Like one guy said in my second Brzezinski movie, because I did two of them, he said, it was a pharmaceutical scientist. I interviewed one. He said, if you found a cure for cancer, you're putting yourself out of business. Like, what are you going to do now? Like you found a cure. For, what are you going to go off and do? What are your employees going to do? Not to mention you have all of the uh, uh, money of all the cancer institutions that are researching cancer across the United States, where they get matching government funds. So the government says, we'll give you a million. So you get private funding for a million, and then the government gives you another million. So all that goes away. It's gone. So imagine if fetal heart cells was unleashed, fetal, or fetal stem cells was unleashed. What's going to happen to heart surgeries? What's going to happen to diabetes medications? What's going to happen to MS medications? <laughs> What's going to happen to every yeah, medication yeah. outside of cancer? You know, It'll be a train wreck financially. So it's just... Anyway, so knowing that, and I know that deep down, it's like, why not just help people um, instead of banging your head against the wall and asking yourself, why can't this be mainstream? <laughs> That's just me. So. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I agree 100% because, I mean, you, you can't wait for the doctors to cure you. You have to, you have to, you have to do your own research. Yeah. Uh, there's 10 years to find this treatment. That's 10 years of my life, so... I'm not saying I'm mad, I'm mad at the doctors because they don't know any better. They, if they were in my position, they would probably wouldn't have gotten any help either. So, yeah. There's no reason to get mad at the doctors. I mean, they only know what they're taught. And, you know, and as they call yeah. it, 
practicing medicine because they're constantly, you know, as they say, practicing this thing to get better at it, but they're only allowed to work within the limitations, you know, so they're not going to say to you, Hey, you know, I've heard about this. I, Hey, I had this patient's Casper who had brain damage. Like I'm, I guarantee you, your doctor, if you tell your doctor that you've had this improvement with brain damage, and especially if it was measurable somehow, and the next guy with your exact condition, he's not going to say, Oh, you know, I have this patient Casper who went to Ukraine. He's not going to say that. He's not going to say that. <laughs> he's not allowed. You know, he might lose his job. I mean, yeah. He probably serious. would lose his job. Correct. And, um, and a lot of thing that one thing that people forget is the doctor works for you. You don't work for the doctor. You're paying the doctor for a service. So, and it sounds like you've already figured that out, but you know, a lot of people haven't figured that out and they just sort of blindly believe everything. When I say that is I can't tell you how many times people have watched my documentary, who knows, stroke, MS, Parkinson's, you name it, or a kid with autism. And they email me and I say, yeah, they've had great results with this or that you know, just like how you did. And then they go a week later, they go, you know, I went into my doctor and they said, this was not a good idea. Uh, it could cause cancer. There's not enough, you know, it could be dangerous and that's it. And they believe the doctor blindly and they never go. And so it's, it's, it's sad, you know, it's very sad. Yeah. yeah, fortunately, I don't have any trust in the medical system anymore. So, whatever the doctor tells me, I. I mean, <laughs> well, honestly, you, the, the, I have, I'm actually in contact. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say the vast majority of the people like yourself that I talk to are people like you that have learned their lesson and especially if they have difficult to treat ailments like brain damage. I mean, that's not, there's no drug to treat it as we talked about. There's nothing that you can do that's available to Western medicine that can do anything for you except people's senses. It's complex and uh, it took me three years before I understood what, what had happened to me. Uh, and when I found out, I, I uh, saw that there was a team research in, in Gothenburg, so I contacted them and she said there is no treatment available today. Uh, so the only thing, the only thing they, they, they have tried, it's, it's ADHD medicine, that's yeah. about it. Yeah. Uh, but, which, but yeah, so, so we'll see, maybe, yeah. We'll I was going to say, well, which this therapy has done wonders for as well as ADHD. Yeah. Um, fetal stem cells. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I have ADHD yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Casper, I could still talk to you, but if we don't wrap it up, no one's going to listen to this whole interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. And it's actually it's 9 p.m. here for people that are listening. Uh, it's getting really late so i well, think it's a good idea to I'll, I'll tell you up. what i mean i obviously i'd love to stay in touch with you and you're gonna you're always welcome to obviously whatsapp me anytime i'm gonna text you the movie now the, another reason i know what it was another reason i would think it would be great for your friend who has ms to speak to me or just email me is because he'll send his information to mcell right get officially invited because as you know they don't just take walk-ins yeah. they, they want to review cases so and i'm happy to let him uh, meet all of the MS patients in my documentary, they'll be glad to speak to him on WhatsApp. Um, you know, but this, I appreciate okay. it if he got in, invited first, so I'm not wasting their time. And I also, uh, we'd like to have an idea that if he feels like he really wants to go, because I, I really want to respect the time of these people. They're busy like everybody else. And if, but if he's really serious yeah. about maybe going, I'm happy to put him in direct contact with these people, you know, and because nothing's better. Yeah, yeah, than, absolutely. And the same with you. Like if somebody contacts me in a month who's say 37, 47 years old, 
whatever, and says, I have brain yeah. damage due to drugs. I would say, oh my God, you got to speak to this guy, Casper. I mean, I'm sure you'd be happy to speak yeah, to him, yeah. right? Wouldn't you I would be? love that. Yeah, yeah. See? yeah. yeah that's, that's what I'm speaking to you right now. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I love doing, honestly, because I love connecting people. Um, not, that's why I like doing the podcast. People yeah. can listen to this. And then, of course, taking it one step further, if your friend with MS wants to speak to these other people, and it's always great to have him watch the documentary first so he understands who he's speaking to. Yeah, I think that would really help. And and I also want to say it's a woman, but it doesn't really matter. That's my bad. I didn't mention it. So, you know, people are skeptical. Yep. It's... Well, it's a good thing. I think it's healthy. Then what she should do uh, is watch the movie first. Awesome. She should watch the movie first because yeah, yeah. I have convinced, I wish I could name, I could name drop here, but I've met a lot of interesting, powerful people, some of them famous in my years of doing this. And I sent yeah. this new movie to all of them. And um, a lot of them had never, they, they were only familiar with my previous work. They never saw the God cells. They only saw this and they lost mm, their okay. minds. They lost their minds. And one in particular is very powerful in governments, actually. Okay. Is, I won't even say the gender. This person was very excited and wants to see what they can do uh, to help. Uh, that's oh, as wow. far as I can go with that here. And we can talk about it off the record. Some very exciting possibilities. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But um, I don't want to say anything here because it's just too early. And I don't want to get people no, unnecessarily excited. But but anyway. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, uh, well, I'll talk to her and, and ho- hopefully uh, the comment will come in, sir. But we'll keep in touch. Thank you. Thank you so much, Eric. Yeah, my pleasure, man. Uh, Thank you for everything. Hey, Casper, it's my pleasure, honestly. Thank you for taking the time to share your story. A lot of people would love to hear our conversation, but who knows? You might end up helping someone in your similar condition who listens to this uh, conversation. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. Well, I should have... Thank you for having me. Hey, my pleasure. And uh, thank you for taking the time. So you're in Sweden. It's nine o'clock there. It's 12 noon in California. All right. All right. Well, I hope you have a great night. You too. All right. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. All right. Okay. Bye. That was episode 20 of the God Sells Podcast. As always, feel free to email me at eric at ericmarola.com. And in regards to Ukraine fetal stem cell pioneers, my latest and sixth documentary, it is my proudest work yet. I think most of you will be blown away. I do a deep, deep dive into the science of this technology. I have unbelievable, remarkable stories of remissions of multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's, nonverbal child with autism speaking for the first time. It's really remarkable. And it was actually kind of unbelievable to witness what I witnessed unfold before my eyes, honestly, while working on this. I had been following some of these patients since 2015. So if you want to be notified of its release free on YouTube for the world, be sure to sign up for my mailing list at ericmarola.com or stemcellsmovie.com or follow the project on Facebook or Twitter or just email me and I'll add you to the list. Until next time, I'm Eric Marola.